Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast. I uh, just wanted to put a little opening uh, introduction, whatever the heck you want to call it here, to, to this week's podcast, episode number 150. Uh, first of all, I just want to say thanks so much to everyone who has been listening, who has listened over the last three plus years. And uh, it, it's just crazy to think that when I started this a little over three years ago that I would be at this point at 150 interview episodes of some sort where we're just sitting down and talking about coaching. And uh, if you've listened, you know I kind of like the, the round numbers, 100, 150, you know, that type of thing. And uh, I wanted to do something pretty special for 150, and I was was able to, to, to do that here uh, and uh, just – Really excited to have uh, Roy Williams, the, the the former men's basketball coach at the University of Kansas, the University of North Carolina, three-time national champion, basketball Hall of Famer, and uh, just what a gracious, what a gracious man he really was uh, throughout this whole process. Uh, you know, we had a we had a terrific conversation. wasn't a terribly long conversation uh, because uh, you know it, it was time to spend some time with his wife. And after forty eight years of coaching, uh, Coach Williams definitely deserves to have extra time with his wife because we, as we all know, uh, the spouse of a coach should be the first person that should be allowed into heaven. So I I, I want to thank everybody who has supported the podcast, who has, has been there for however long that you've been with the podcast. Uh, and uh, I also, again, want to thank Coach Williams for the time that, that he gave to this. I want to thank Tim Cannon for being the go-between that got this all set up. And uh, just really excited to bring episode number 150 to, to all the listeners here. So without further ado, uh, the Basketball Hall of Famer, Coach Roy Williams from North Carolina and the University of Kansas. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to episode number 150. Hard to believe we're at this magical number of 150, and I am really happy, thrilled, pleased to have on three-time national champion coach Roy Williams from the University of Kansas and the University of North Carolina. Uh, coach, how you doing today out on the, the coasts of South Carolina today? Well, for the last uh, four days, my wife and I have been here together. It's the first time since May, as I told you, that uh, I haven't been running around doing some crazy stuff. So we're as happy as we can be right now, and it's a beautiful day in Charleston, South Carolina. And we're uh, glad to talk to you, Coach. So we can get going as quickly as you want to go, because as we've talked about, I'm going to dinner in a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, let, let me get you on your way to dinner here. So, and, okay. and, and thank Wanda very much for her time, by the way. So, okay. Um, let's just jump in, Coach. Uh, you know, you've you've talked quite openly. Uh, this this is a podcast that reaches out mainly to high school coaches, uh, mm-hmm. but but a little bit of everybody. And you've you've been very open about your uh, the the influence of your high school coach, Buddy Baldwin. Uh, mm-hmm. You know how much how you know just kind of what are some of the big things that you took from him as you stepped into the coaching realm and and his his influence on your career. 
Well, he had a buddy of Baldwin really had tremendous influence on my life, not just the coaching career. He was the first person to give me confidence, first person that uh, I got reports back from my buddies that he was talking and saying great things about me. I never really had that. My mom and dad split when I was very young, and uh, uh, it was a little bit of a tough uh, situation. It was that my mother was very, very intelligent, but uneducated woman who quit school in the 10th grade. And we never taught to education in my home. The only thing that was ever said about education, my mother was really proud when she saw my report card. Mm-hmm. And that was it. But uh, So Coach Baldwin, just uh, uh, giving me confident, my confidence uh, in myself, giving me the idea that I could do some different things and uh, what uh, would have probably been expected of me during that time period. Uh, was the most important thing. And it was, uh, if it hadn't been for Coach Baldwin, I wouldn't have, have even gone to college. Mm-hmm. And he's the first person that started talking to me about that. And my dad had 13 brothers and sisters. My mom had 10. And so when we had a family reunion early on in my <laughs> life, uh, there were a lot of cousins there, but I was the first of our generation to ever go to college. Mm-hmm. And so it was, uh, his influence is still important to me today. He's 82 years old and I uh, speak to him once or twice every week. Awesome. Um, you know, a lot of people recognize you, and rightfully so, for your time at, as as Coach Smith's assistant and, and your head coaching runs at Kansas and North Carolina. What a lot of people don't realize is you started out like uh, a lot of us do. You, you were at the high school level for five mm-hmm. years, uh, doing a lot of different things in, in Black Mountain, North Carolina. Uh, what were some of the things that you did as a, as a high school coach, as an administrator, that prepared you for when Coach Smith – you know, brought you on staff? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Coach, the biggest thing is uh, I wanted to be like Buddy Baldwin. Uh-huh. I didn't have any idea about college coaching or anything at that time. I wanted to be important to some young man uh-huh. uh, or some young woman. I wanted it to me to be uh, give them the kind of feeling that uh, Coach Baldwin did for me, and I wasn't the only one. Yeah. So that was the, my dream of my life was just to be just like uh, Buddy Baldwin. And uh, at Owen High School, it was a great uh, – uh, situation for me that the basketball team was not very good and, and so we could only go up and it took us a while to start going up but uh, the kids trusted me from the first day and tried to do what I wanted them to do and so I was assistant football coach I coached the backs on the ninth grade football team for uh, four out of my five years I was also the golf coach which helped a great deal with my golf game that I still try to master today and don't do it very well but uh uh, and then coach basketball in my last uh, uh, two years, two or three years, I can't even remember now, so long ago, I was also the athletic director. Mm-hmm. So I was uh, exposed to every student in the school, every mm-hmm. from freshman that came in. Uh, I taught in health and physical education on the boys' side. And then we also did a uh, first standard first aid course by the American Red Cross to every boy and girl. So I saw the girls during a uh, one some one six week graded period while we uh, taught that sur- the first aid course, but you know for me it was about the relationships with my players and the students mm-hmm. at Owen High School. And uh, as I said earlier, they gave me a chance. They were happy to see somebody that uh, made them feel like that uh, I wanted to be there. Uh, they made me feel very good about the fact that I cared about them and told them that and acted like it. And uh, you know, so it was it was like a. a a bigger family from the first day and it got bigger and bigger over the years with the contact with those uh, uh, students. And uh, it was, it was a time that I really enjoyed and it did get me ready uh, in some ways for coaching college basketball, because I had to really 
focus on the fundamentals. It's yeah. what Coach Baldwin taught me and what I always believed in. And so Coach Smith, I'd played freshman basketball at North Carolina, and I wasn't good enough to keep playing. But he knew I wanted to be a coach, and I worked his summer camp uh, while I was a high school coach and uh, uh, evidently liked what he saw during that time period. And mm-hmm. uh, when he asked me to be uh, the, quote, part-time assistant, he told me it was full-time job, part-time pay. But uh, <laughs> as far as I was concerned, I was uh, working for Coach Dean Smith, who I thought was the best coach I'd ever seen. Uh-huh. Um, you know, you're, you're reading my mind here, Coach. You brought me right into my next question. Thank you for doing okay. that. So, uh, <laughs> you know, is is Coach Smith and and – I'm old enough. I mean, I, I grew up when with Coach Smith's teams and stuff. Uh, but but to, in today's generation, is is everything that he brought to the game, uh, is that unfortunately not as remembered as it should be today? Well, I think so. You know, it's, it's a me, me, me society a little bit more than we ever thought it was going to be. And it's also a uh, society of what have you done lately? And there's so many changes in college athletics. Uh, Coach Smith would have a difficult time uh, uh, even realizing what was going on nowadays with all the changes. But yet, Coach Smith and, and as I said earlier, Buddy Baldwin, their number one emphasis was the individual. It mm-hmm. was the person. Mm-hmm. Um, so much more than any of the rules or traditions or trends in the game, he was willing to make changes. But his whole thing was about... Uh, uh, dealing with people and building teams. And uh, I still think uh, uh, that we have those possibilities out there. Yeah, there's some things out there that I don't necessarily care for or wish we had taken a few more intermittent steps instead of just opening things wide open. But it's still about people. It's still about kids. It's still about coaching your team. It's still about trying to get youngsters uh, to make sacrifices for a common goal. It's about getting them to make sacrifices for the what's the best thing for the team. Mm-hmm. And so Coach Smith was, I've said it this way before, I think he's the best coach I ever saw, mm-hmm. but he was much better off the court. And that strength of things off the court would enable him to still be very successful today. He'd have to do it differently because yeah. there's so many things that uh, are major, major differences in the game. But still, it's something that uh, uh, if uh, if you think about it, it's still about the kids is what it is. Yeah. Um- you know, other than Coach Baldwin, other than Coach Smith, other than Coach Guthridge, uh, who's maybe one or two other coaches that had a, a really big influence on your philosophy, whether that's uh, the, the X's and O's, the schemes, or uh, the behind-the-scenes stuff, working with your players, building the program, culture, any of that type of stuff. Coach, who's mm-hmm. one or two other people outside of that intimate circle that you have that, that really helped you grow your philosophy? Well, Eddie Fogler was on the staff with me for eight years in North Carolina. I stayed two more years after Eddie left to become head coach at Wichita State. But uh, Eddie was tremendous on the court. He was tremendous in recruiting. He was very organized, and I learned those things from him. Uh, When I took the job at Kansas, he told someone I was frighteningly organized. I told him, I said, I don't know what frighteningly organized means. And Eddie said, well, I thought I was extremely organized and you've taken it to a completely different level. But Eddie was really, really important to me and the, the way he tried to help me, teach me, coach me, get me through different things that we were going through, particularly those first several years when it was, it was new. And uh, he never failed to uh, give me the time, give me the encouragement or anything so Eddie was really important in my development and when I became a head coach uh, I had a great staff when I first got to Kansas I had Jerry Green 
Steve Robinson, Kevin Stallings, and Mark Turgeon. Yeah. And all four of those guys became major college head coaches, and all four of those guys won Coach of the Year in their respective conferences at least once. Mm-hmm. And Jerry Green coached at uh, Oregon and at Tennessee. Steve Robinson coached at Tulsa and Florida yeah. State. Kevin yeah. Stallings coached at Illinois State, Vanderbilt, and Pittsburgh. Mark Turgeon coached at Texas at Wichita State, Texas A&M in uh, Maryland. Maryland and yeah. so those guys were extremely important to me and mm-hmm. outside my little family was people uh, like uh, I'd say Bob Knight, John Thompson, uh, Jerry Tarkanian, those three guys sort of put their arms around me when I talked to them about things that would be helpful and mm-hmm. so I was very fortunate because of Coach Smith uh, uh, who he was and the respect that he had those guys like a John Thompson and a Bobby Knight were really able to feel good about helping me, and it was greatly appreciated. Okay. Coaches are absolutely loving our taking over a new program booklet. As many of you know, I spent two years outside of coaching, and during that time, I hung a note card in my workspace at school that said, strip the house down to the studs. I took that time to really rethink and reorganize my thoughts on what it takes to run a transformational program. As I prepared for the possibility of coaching again, I organized these thoughts into this 96-page booklet. How much do I trust this booklet? I used this booklet as I went on interviews to help sell myself and my vision for what my new program would look like. If I'm using it to sell myself, why wouldn't I recommend it to you, my listeners? This booklet will help you look at any part of your program, no matter what stage you're at in your program, and help improve it in some way. It's all yours for only $15, which includes shipping and handling. For more information, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Coach, I thought we'd do a little something. I, I don't do this very often, but I thought I'd run this by you, see what you think. Okay. How, how about some rapid-fire questions here? Just boom, boom, okay. boom, boom. You ready for it? Yeah. All yeah. right. All right. Here we go. I got about nine or ten of them here. All right? Uh, give us one thing that people don't know about Michael Jordan. If it's possible to not know something about Michael Jordan. <laughs> he improved tremendously. Uh, day after day, year after year. It wasn't just a finished product. When we got him, it wasn't just a finished product when he left. He got better every day, and he tried to be the best. Mm-hmm. Follow up on Michael. Who's won more on the golf course, you or him? Early on, I beat him pretty easily, and after that, he's beat me like a drum. <laughs> <laughs> um, who's the toughest coach you had to prepare for? And I feel like you can tell this one now because you're retired and you don't have to own up to anybody, so... Yeah. Who's the toughest one you had to prepare for? Oh, man, there's so many great coaches that I really, really love as friends and colleagues. Uh, that is a hard, hard question to answer because I, I coached against about everybody there was. But I'll uh-huh. go back to those people like I talked about there when I said Bob Knight, John Thompson. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they we coached a lot against Coach Knight when I was at Kansas. He was at Indiana, and then he came into the Big 12 and coached against him even more. Yep. Uh, his team was prepared. You had to make darn sure that you knew what you were going to do and do it flawlessly if you wanted to be successful. You couldn't just go through things halfway. But they were I mean, Gary Williams at Maryland. We only played once, but yep. he was he was a fantastic coach. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I can I can list the hundreds and hundreds of those guys. Mm-hmm. Was the 2009, 2009 title run the most dominant run that a title team had? I think so. And during my time as a head coach, you know, UCLA had some truly dominating runs uh, in Coach Wooden's career. But during my time, uh, you know, I mean, we we won every NCAA tournament game by at least 12 points and Mm -hmm. against good teams. You know, we didn't have to face a 12th seed who upset a 
four seed or something yeah. like that. Every team we played was a really, really gifted team. And so uh, during my time period, uh, if there has been one, I can't remember who it is. Yeah, you had no gimmies along the way. That's for no, sure. So, no. um, Who taught you your dance moves for your post-game celebrations? <laughs> well, if you've seen very many, you know that I didn't have any teachers. <laughs> so, uh, my daughter, ironically, she owns her own dance studio, and I've always loved music and uh, in the old days when I was in college, I loved soul music. And uh-huh. uh, then I had hated hard rock, electro rock. I hated rap. And now I've also enjoyed country music. So I listen to both in my car on the way to the game a lot. Uh-huh. Um, when did you know it was time to step down? You know, it was hard. I uh-huh. love it. I miss it tremendously right now. I'd rather be going to practice this afternoon than anything I could think of. Mm-hmm. But I didn't feel like I was doing it as well. That mm-hmm. was all it was. It was nothing else. I just did not feel like I was doing it as well as I had done before. I'll give you one example. My first uh, 31 years as a head coach, two times, I went home and said, if I hadn't done that, we'd probably won the game. Or if I had done something, we'd have probably won the game that we lost. In my last two years, that happened three times. Mm-hmm. My high school coach told me that I was very hard grader on myself. And I told him that's the way I'd been my entire career. And it's the way I'd even been as a player for him. Mm-hmm. And But uh, that's what it was. I just didn't feel like I was doing it as well. Mm-hmm. What's the hardest thing about retirement? Missing the kids, missing the relationships, missing the time on the court during practice, in the locker room, on the bus rides, uh, uh, being with the kids. I mean, I wanted to be like my high school coach, and that was something that was really important to me. Mm-hmm. What's the one thing you would have done differently, looking back on it now? You know, I've, I've thought about that. Uh, the answer is nothing. Okay. I was very pleased with the way we did things, why we did things. Oh, yeah, I would uh, go back and change those two games in the first three years that we'd won those. And, and you only have two. I have a hell of a lot more than two, Coach. So, <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I was very pleased with, the, with my goals and what okay. we tried to do. Last one in the rapid-fire section here. Is there anything better than a Duke-Carolina game? Uh, not to me, except, you know, it's it's gets it's such magnitude. I never tried to build it up because everybody else did it for me. Sure. Playing in the NCAA tournament games, those were the ones when you lose, that other team goes home. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we, we won a lot of NCAA tournament games. And I loved, but I loved going into big places. Uh, you know, we played at it. Indiana, we played at Texas, at Tennessee, at UCLA. Yep. You know, I loved going and playing on the road. Mm-hmm. A pen and a napkin university videos are just another way that a pen and a napkin can help you become a better coach. Our university video library is constantly expanding with topics ranging from interviewing for a job to full court defense to 25 universal truths about coaching. Our university videos will help you round out your skill set as a coach and help you hone your craft. Videos are $10 a piece with bundling options available. To order, you can DM me on Twitter. Send me an email at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com or order from our website, a pen and a napkin.com. Be sure to check out the a pen and a napkin video library. Um, what, uh, you know, you, uh, 
had had groomed Hubert a little bit over the last couple mm-hmm. of years to take over for you. What were some of the things that you did? The, if we've got a coach listening here, that's kind of in that same situation. Uh, mm-hmm. They're they feel like they're two three years away from retirement, and they feel like they've got a really qualified assistant that is uh, in the wings. And feels like they're ready. What are some of the things that you did for Hubert to help prepare him for your job? Well, he was with me for nine years, and what people don't realize, he was the last recruit that I recruited for North Carolina as Coach Smith's assistant. Oh, wow. Wow, He came to North Carolina and played his freshman year, which was my first year at Kansas. So we go back a long way, but he's an overachiever, and uh, uh, I've loved him uh, since day one. But with all of my staff, the last several years, I asked more questions about what would you do if you were a head coach. And I did things during the game. I would say, okay, now tell me, which five would you want in there and answer it to yourself? I know who I've got out there, but think to yourself, would you want which five out there? So I tried to do things to get him to think more like being a head coach. And uh, Coach Smith did me that way, so I tried to do the same thing. Gotcha. Um, coach, in our, in our last 15 minutes here together, uh, let's kind of get into some of your more day-to-day philosophy. Do, do a little basketball nerd stuff here, if that's all right with you. Uh, uh, you know, one of the things that I I know I loved watching about your teams and and many other people did is, is how efficient your teams were offensively. Uh, but you're still playing up tempo, but you're not turning the ball over a a bunch. Um, you know, you're just, yeah, like I said, efficiency is the best way to say it. Uh, you know, what was your implementation process? How did you get your teams to play fast yet efficiently and have really good shot selection, so forth and so on. I know a lot of that comes down to, you know, you were really fortunate at, at, at both of your big stops to, to coach great players. Uh, and and that's, that's a big part of it. But there's also a teaching and a coaching process mm-hmm. to that. Mm-hmm. So could, could you share some of that with us? Well, I think a couple of things. You know, I had one coach one time tell a family, well, you know, uh, Coach Williams's teams, they – they run, but, you know, they don't run that fast. They just run efficiently. And I said, well, I'm going to call the coach and tell him thank you because he don't get style points or anything just by running up and down the court. But we practiced the way I wanted to play, and mm-hmm. I did that every single day. I wanted to play as fast as we possibly could, and I think it's an, an easy game. Mm-hmm. It's a very simple game. You get the ball, and then I get the ball. You get the ball, and then I get the ball. The only way to break that is for me to – get more offensive rebounds because that gives me another possession. Mm -hmm. All right. So we work extremely hard on run, 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 but also on offensive rebounding the basketball. And if you're running a fast pace up and down and in an open court, it's hard for those teams to box you out. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I would not be successful, even though I think they're changing a little bit as well. I would not have been as successful in the NBA because over the last 15 years, they've, quit talking about rebounding, but now they're starting to again (laughs) the last couple of years. But I pushed rebounding. I pushed the fact that if you get the ball and I get the ball, the only way to break that and to give me more possessions is to not let you get rebounds and for me to get them. Mm -hmm. And the second thing is you got to get shots. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't turn the ball over. And so turning the ball over is usually one of two things. It's either selfishness because you're trying to make a great play or carelessness. So we would categorize the turnover. Why, why did that happen? And so for us, running up and down the court efficiently is what we tried to do all of the time. Mm-hmm. And so for me, we practice that way every day. And whatever's important to any coach, pick one thing, two things, ten things. 
if that's really important to you, then you better do them well and practice every day. And so for us, practice was a classroom. Uh-huh. And we would do things over and over and over and over again until they became hopefully second nature. But uh, the kids knew what we wanted. And I would tell everybody, okay, everybody raise your hand if you like the shot that uh, Coach Plum took. And Coach Plum better raise his hand because he took the deck. <laughs> but, hey, hey, Coach, I'm telling you right now. that's a way of teaching everybody what is a good shot. And yeah. so it was. I tried to make it a simple game. Yeah, you know, all my buddies that will be listening to this, they'll tell me, I never thought I ever took a bad shot, so don't worry about well, that right there. <laughs> well, that's a, if a kid that I said, raise your hand if you think that was a good shot. If he didn't raise that, I said, well, why did you take it? Yeah. And so it's not just, you know, it's the old thing about it feels like leather shoot it. That never worked with me. We wanted to get the best shot we possibly could as quickly as we could. Mm-hmm. I'll, for me, it was always a, a challenge. Every game I wanted to – after the other team score, I wanted to lay it up on the other and at least once during a game within five seconds. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so we practiced that way. And that's that's what we pushed day, 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 day. You know, you were really famous coach for your, your secondary break actions and things like that, the, the back screens and, and things. Uh, you know, just to, to help out our listeners, you know, how much about how much time each practice would you spend on that and, and, and kind of in relation to the efficiency discussion that we've had the last few minutes, you know, how, how much, how much time would you dedicate to that stuff? In the, in, in, in in the a, preseason, our practice would be a little over two hours. Once you get in the season, there'd be, you know, an hour and a half to an hour 40 and sometimes even less the day before a game. Mm-hmm. But again, you can't have everything stressed to the same level. Sure. And so again, us running the ball, us getting great shot selection, us boxing out, us not allowing the other team to run their offense. Those were the things. And so that's what we pushed in practice. But every drill we did, if we were working on zone, which I never played zone, but if we were working on zone defense, if they made or missed, we ran to the other end. We had changed ends. If it was half-court man defense, made or miss we run it to the other end so we're doing every day that continual thing of building up the pace and you know it was i I can't tell you 20 minutes on this and 20 minutes on that because we we put the big picture out there Mm -hmm. and you know the one of the things i I learned in an education court part method whole method part method yep is the best way of teaching so we'd give them part methods but we'd show them the whole method five on five what we want and then we go back and break it down so but our practice we went up and down it was not any even if working on out of bounds plays if we take it out of bounds or the other team we change ends because that's where i wanted to play in the game so we'd run a fast break to the other end mm-hmm. uh let's talk a little bit about the the psychology of of team building uh you know you've you're obviously bringing in uh, just like any college coach, you're bringing in players from a lot of different places. And in your situation, a lot of times you're bringing in players from all over the country and sometimes from, from foreign nations, you know, as you recruited them in. Uh, you know, how did you – what were some things that you did, uh, you and your staff did, to, to build a new team every year? You know, team building exercises, uh, you know, and I know some of that probably played out in the recruiting process. Hey, when you come to North Carolina, when you come to Kansas, this is the way it's going to be. Uh, but talking about it and then actually being there, I think, are two different things. So so how did you make that transition, and how did you build your team to be a true team off the floor uh, on a yearly basis? Well, I think you said it yourself. You can't stop doing that. And for me, everything we did every day was team building. 
every competition, I mean, every drill we did was competitive. And we had a winner and a loser. And so the losers ran a sprint. It could be as simple as half court back. But everything we did was competition-based. And so for us, we talked about the competition every day. Are you going to compete for your teammate? And so all the team-building things that you've heard of people doing, I probably did. I mean, we'd Mm -hmm. take them on trips. We'd go see the Martin Luther King Civil Rights Museum in Memphis, Tennessee, and spend two hours afterwards talking about it. Mm -hmm. So those kind of team-building things, I think, are extremely important. I would never uh, go to practice and blow the whistle and say, okay, guys, see you tomorrow, and walk off the court. I stayed there and talked to the guys as we went off the court. Mm -hmm. If we went to the radio show, I'd tell them they wanted to come come to the radio show. My wife, Wanda, cooked Thanksgiving dinner every year for as many as 70 people. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, it was a three-day journey for her. But uh, for us, everything we did was about team. And, oh, yeah, I know you want to be an NBA player, so we're going to try to make sure we uh, realize that every day as well. But it was the team building things that people are doing nowadays are fantastic. And and I did anything that I could possibly do. Mm -hmm. How uh, and you kind of mentioned a little bit about how hard you were on yourself. How do you Mm -hmm. keep that balance of having those high expectations without putting too much pressure on yourself? I don't know. (laughs) I couldn't do that. That's the reason I stopped because I told my high school coach, he said, you're still doing it better than anybody. I said, no, I'm not because I'm not doing it better than Roy Williams used to. And I couldn't handle that. Uh, But no, I think that for me, it was my family and my basketball team. Mm -hmm. And that was it. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's what that's what it was. I didn't want to own any car lots, restaurants or anything like that. I never did anything for money. It was just my team and my family, and they understood that. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I wanted them to become a family, and one of the players gave me the greatest compliment. A parent of a recruit said, does Coach Williams let you be in a fraternity? And he says, yeah, we are in one. She said, which one? And he told her the Carolina basketball family, and it's the best fraternity on campus. Yeah. And the great thing is I had a player at Kansas do the same thing. So yep. that was what it was with me. Perfect. Coach, I got two more questions for you. Are, are, are we good? I don't even know what time it is, but it's, I've got to walk out at 445 or my head coach is going to make me run sprints. So <laughs> okay. let's go. All right. How about one more question? Okay. Uh, huge improvements, uh, both at Kansas and North Carolina from year one to year two. And, and in both situations, you took over mm-hmm. tough situations, you know, different mm-hmm. different reasons why they were tough. But they were, they were both uh, tough. Uh, you had a pretty successful first year, but then you made a huge leap in both places the second year. Uh, what were what do you think were one or two big things that you were able to do uh, in, in both of those situations to make those big leaps from year one to year two? Well, Marty, you're writing, and I appreciate that. So many people say, oh, he's only coasted North Carolina, Kansas. Well, when I got to Kansas, we were put on probation. Yep. When I got to North Carolina, they, two years in a row, had not gone to an NCAA tournament and lost 39 games. But yep. both times, the kids gave me a chance the first day it was easier in North Carolina because we had had some success at Kansas. But when I first got to Kansas, they could have very easily have said, hey, we just won a national championship last year. You've never been a head coach. Yep. But they didn't do that. They gave me a chance. And so what I think both times is we got them some help on both teams in the recruiting class that came in that made it easier the second year. But then the other thing is 
we had gifted kids that wanted to be great teams. And so the second year at Kansas, we won 30 games when we were picked eighth in the Big Eight. Yeah. That's last. Yeah. And we won 30 <laughs> games. And then the second year at North Carolina, we won a national championship because those kids wanted to be good. And that's – that. I mean, I'm just being truthful. Those kids on the first team at Kansas – they're the ones that gave Roy Williams a chance and uh, never forgotten that. And nobody can ever convince me it was anything but those kids giving me a chance. So I've been very fortunate, Marty. I'll give you one last thing. Gotcha. Luke Bryan is a country singer okay. and he's, he's been one of the greats, but he's got a song. I named the song, I think is by Dirt. But in there it says, I'll paraphrase a little bit, find something you love to do and call it work. And I was able to do that for 48 years. And so I had a blessed life. And now I want to be a great fan for as long as I can handle it. <laughs> Absolutely. Coach Williams, I, I, I want to thank you very much for your time. Uh, I want to thank our mutual friend, Tim Cannon, for, for hooking us up here today. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I think I'm going to get you out in two minutes before before Wanda starts knocking on the door here for you. So, uh, again, Coach, I just want to thank you so very much for your time. If you could hold the line just a second here as we wrap up, uh, we'll All right, go from well, there. Sure you, I'm glad you mentioned Coach Cannon because he's uh, didn't get to coach one of his players, but I would have loved to. So congratulations to him. Absolutely. Uh, again, uh, Coach Roy Williams from the University of Kansas, University of North Carolina. want to thank him for his time. I wanted to try and do something special for episode number 150. And I want to thank Tim and I want to thank Coach Williams for being uh, part of of that. So I hope you've uh, taken a lot from today's conversation. Coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day 